Well, I'm all discombobulated. I had to turn on my own mic because they're worried about the battery. Half my sermon points were taken care of between Zach and Rick. I mean, come on now. Hi, everybody. As I guess has been said two times today, I'm Carl Pafford. For those of you who don't know me, I have the privilege to serve on the leadership team here and filling in for Ben as he is on sabbatical. And for those that are counting the weeks, we have three sermons, including mine, till Ben is back. We have mine today. Joe next week, which I believe is on fellowship. Is that correct-ish? Yes, got that right. And then Joshua taking Zach's place to finish off on forgiveness. So if you're counting down the weeks, he will be back. Uh, He has not communicated with us officially. So if you follow social media, apparently they've had some ups and downs. But besides that, we assume everything's going great. Um, Today we're going to talk about joy. And this could be a whole sermon series. This could be weeks and weeks. And if you go online or you listen to other churches, you can go very in-depth. I'm going to give you the whirlwind tour of joy from what my studies and the guidance that I believe I've received to talk about is. So, as we do this, when we think of joy, what do you think of? This collage behind me. Everybody talks about different things. If you're my daughter, it might be her cats coming home from her vacation and having them weave and talk to her. That brings her joy. Uh, The joy of a kid just grabbing, I just shudder to think if they have allergies, pulling that um, flower right into their face and taking all that pollen in. Um, There's a certain nanny in the room that has a brand new Eli out there that I'm sure has great joy with it. Uh, Nature, being in God's nature, just seeing a sunset or a sunrise and what that feels like. And, of course, the cross, which we just talked about during communion. Jesus in John says to his disciples, and, again, Zach had this in John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So what is this joy that Jesus speaks to with his disciples? We're going to unpack this today. For those that know my sermon style, I always reference a song or two, and this today is no difference. Uh, We're going to start with Joy to the World, but not the Christmas Carol. For those Gen X or Baby Boomers that remember Three Dog Night in 1970, Joy to the World. Yeah, there's a couple of us. Um, You know I love the ladies, love to have my fun. I'm a high high life flyer and a rainbow rider and a straight shooting son of a gun. I said a straight shooting son of a gun. Joy to the world, all the boys and girls. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. So that was Three Dogs Nights thinking about joy. If you grew up in the church or helped at Vacation Bible School or out back, there is I've Got That Joy, Joy, Joy by George William Cook sometime in the 50s, we believe. I've Got That Joy, 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 Joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. And then, frankly, one of my favorite songs uh, that we sing here at church, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, Henry Van Dyke, 1907. Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before you, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. All your works with joy surround you. Earth and heaven reflect your rays. Stars and angels sing around you, center of unbroken praise. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea, chanting bird and flowing fountain. 
praising you eternally. Sesame Street said it the best. One of these things is not like the other. So in the first song, joy was focused on finding pleasure for oneself. In the second, joy is found in the heart because if you continue later in the song, it says because we have joy because we have the love of Jesus in our heart. And the third is the personal joy experienced by believers when seeing God working in us and related to the nature around us. Two of the three are related to God. Um, Three dog night? Not so much. Before we unpack any further, let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for the chance to be in your house with your people, learning about the joy you have for us. Thank you, God, that you have your word for us to learn from, that we have other great Christians before and those that will come after us that will help us understand joy. But most importantly, Lord, we thank you that you have provided joy for us and it's your desire that we have it. And we ask that today we would learn about this and in all stages of our walk with you, that we would understand what joy is to be about. It's in your name, pray. Amen. Now, as Joshua hinted at at another time, the second part of my sermons, I always have a dictionary definition. Always. So in joy in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it's the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Simply delight. The expression or exhibition of emotion, gaiety, being happy, a state of happiness or felicity, bliss, or a source or cause of delight. However, C.S. Lewis wrote that genuine joy must be sharply distinguished both from happiness and pleasure. So what's the difference there? And theologian Sam Storm said joy is not the absence of suffering, it's the presence of God. The most significant difference between joy and happiness is the object of each. The object of joy is God. That's the object. The object of happiness is favorable, temporary things around us right now that bring us happiness, but they're part of our mortal lives. Happiness and pleasure can be components of joy. I don't want to pretend that they aren't. They're like the facets or the cuts on a fine gemstone. They are part of it, but the gemstone itself is what is joy. And components of it can be happiness. So what is biblical joy? It is very interesting when you research this out there. There's lots of things, but really it boils down to two things. Biblical joy is choosing to respond to your external circumstances with an inner contentment and satisfaction. And this satisfaction comes as a gift from God in doing his work. So there's two parts of this. One is the gift of joy that God gives every believer. But it's also the joy in doing his work. Are we doing his work? If you're, how should I say this, ruggedly independent, perhaps, as I am, and Mary might say a control freak, often in my life I have tried to control that. And I would have to say that my walk hasn't always been doing his work because I think I can derive joy from doing my work. Sadly mistaken. So where does joy come from? There's a whole series of verses coming up. There are Bibles, if you didn't bring one, in front of you. We will be flipping through them quickly. If you want to keep up, great. Otherwise, we will have them up here behind me. If you don't have a Bible, please take a Bible home with you. It's very important. Psalm 4-7, the psalmist says, You have put more joy in my heart than when they have their grain and wine abound. So think about the time on here. This was written back in a time when feast or famine was the reality. Famine 
drove people to Egypt, right? Famine drove people everywhere. So people's hearts were joyful when they had what they needed to eat and drink. But even more important than that is the joy in the heart that gets put in there. Romans fourteen seventeen from Paul. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's emphasizing there, joy is not the current material thing in our lives, like eating and drinking. There is a trend there, and as one who enjoys eating and drinking quite a bit, I get it. But, you know, it's about having the Holy Spirit right with you. And finally, in Galatians, Paul writes again in chapter 5, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things there is no law. So the bottom line, joy comes from God through the Holy Spirit, who we have after Pentecost here. So as a believer, we receive joy through the Holy Spirit from God, that gift from God. So how do we find this joy if it's this gift? In John 15, 10 through 11, if you 10 and 11. So we had 11 before as the key verse. This is the verse leading up to it. Zach had it in his children's teaching. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The sentence before this key verse is Jesus giving instructions to his followers, telling them to keep the commandments and abide in his love. It's the same for us. Are we keeping the commandments of Jesus? That's where we find joy. In Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy, a fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Holy Spirit reveals the path for us, reveals to us how to find joy. We need to do that. But you must know God. You can have happiness and contentment in this world. And quite frankly, I have a lot of happiness and contentment. But biblical joy is only going to come from God. If you don't know the Lord, you're getting shadows. You're getting pieces of true joy. You can still have the happiness. You can have the contentment. You can feel that everything is right. But you're missing so much. So what prevents us from getting this joy? If we realize we get it from God and the Holy Spirit's the path, the, um, the path to it, what prevents us? Well, Colossians 3.2, set your mind on the things above not on things that are on earth. So what on this earth could be distracting? Well, you've got routine, the routine of our lives. I, I won't say suffer. I have dealt with ADD my entire life. And what, how I get through it is a routine. Um, I have a specific routine. Mary will tell you I have a routine. Some things can drive you crazy, but I have a routine. But... If you get in that routine and you're not focusing on God as part of that routine, it's going to drive you away. It's already the 23rd of July in the year of 2023. The older you get, the faster the years go. I remember my dad telling that in 1978, and oh my goodness, it is true. Over halfway through the year, and I've been in a routine and part of that. In addition, amusements, distractions that bring us alternate happiness... Our perceived happiness can take us away from God. Bearing my soul here, I like to watch YouTube videos of military members surprising their family. 
it brings me happiness. As somebody who serves currently and has served in the past, it brings me happiness to see people surprising and the joy that's out there. But I could do better on focusing on the joy that God has given me, and I work towards it every day. What is in your amusement that's going on that keeps you entertained and happy that might be keeping you away? I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but I suspect just about everybody in here has something that can be distracting. And finally, there's sorrow and suffering. When we have suffering, it takes a strong Christian not just to lean into God, but to do what it talks about in Hebrews 12, too, again. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. If our example in Jesus took joy in his suffering as he took all of the sin for eternity on his back as he died, When we have suffering, we too should be leaning into the Lord with joy because it's part of what we are doing. It's part of our life. Not everything is a series of mountaintops. The Christian life, multiple sermons talks about its ups and downs, but there should be that trajectory up. And if we have that joy, that gift from God in doing his things, even if we have temporary sorrow and discomfort, we should be celebrating with joy. So you have this joy in your life. How do you sustain it? Former Chicago White Stocking, that should give you a clue how old this is, star, and early 1900s evangelist Billy Sunday said, if you have no joy in your religion, we would say faith today, there is a leak in your Christianity somewhere. So if you're not finding joy in your faith and sitting here, where's that leak? This joy must be cultivated. How do we cultivate it? God's word, I would hazard to say 30% of our sermons address this in some way or another between Zach and Ben and the other elders. But God's word is eternal and comes from the Lord in 1 Peter 1.25. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Psalm 19.8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Psalm 119.162, rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Keep God's word in your life. And first to say, I wear glasses now. I get headache when I read too much. Maybe getting into the Bible every day doesn't fit your lifestyle. But there are podcasts out there that have every version of Bible on it. There are streaming events that talk about the Bible. Ten minute drive to work can knock out a chapter in the Bible. Um, Listening to sermons when one is driving to and from work when misses is another good way. But there are ways in this modern technology that we can still stay in God's word. The second is communion with other believers. Not just the communion that we take here with the elements, but true getting together. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Acts 2.42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. This week we had a couple from church over, and it was awesome. It did not seem like three plus hours as we sat there and learned about them. But what it did in helping us with sustaining our joy was hearing the story of people that too go through trials, but how through those trials has brought them closer to God. Never would have happened if we hadn't sat down, had some chicken fajitas, and looked 
at my faucet maybe and, you know, talked about what's going on. That is an opportunity besides being in God's word is being out with the community of believers and finding out things that can bring you joy through that. So what are the benefits of joy? Charles Spurgeon, the theologian, said, why should Christians be such a happy people, joyful people? Why it is good in all ways. It is good for our God. It gives him honor among the sons of men when we are glad. It is good for us. It makes us strong. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It is good for the ungodly. For when they see Christians glad, they long to be believers themselves. It is good for our fellow Christians. It comforts them and tends to cheer them up. Whereas, if we look gloomy, we lack joy, we shall spread the disease, and others will be wretched and gloomy too. For all these reasons, and for many more that can be given, it is a good and pleasant thing that a believer should delight himself in God. It is a good and pleasant thing to have the joy of the Lord. That was Carl's ad. So there's four points in there. One, we honor God. In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and for those that are not up on the church lingo, a catechism is a summary of principles of the Christian religion in the form of questions and answers used to instruct Christians. So the first one in this catechism is, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We are to enjoy God forever. We are to glorify him. We honor God when we are joyful. It gives us strength. Nehemiah 8.10, which was referenced in uh, Dr. Spurgeon's discussion. Then he said to them, go on your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send the portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And at this time, remember, Nehemiah, they're heading back to bring Jerusalem back. There's lots of things going on. But celebrate, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. You get strength through joy. You absolutely do. Joy witnesses to the lost. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, excuse me, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for your hope. That is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I've loved this verse over the years. What makes a difference? I've said this story before when I met Mary. I was like, what's different about her? I'm a Christian. I went to church all my life. She was living her faith. And it was legitimate. And she, I met her after Hurricane Hugo. There was a lot of things she could be upset about. Instead, she was at peace. And I wanted part of that peace. And as she gently led me on the path instead of putting a foot to the buttock, perhaps. She did it with gentleness and respect. And I think that's a part we sometimes forget. If we are demonstrating the joy of the Lord, we're called to do it with gentleness and respect by Peter. I know I don't respond well when people are in my face screaming and yelling. Sometimes you need a smack upside the head. I understand that. And God's pretty good at that and has done that multiple times in my life. But... With gentleness and respect, be ready to explain your witness. Be ready to share why you have that joy when something bad has happened or when great things are happening and the blessing of it. Comforts other believers in Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we're with another believer, and whether we're struggling or that believer is struggling, that is something that we should always remember. There is nothing that can separate us from our God. Yes, we have these temporary things going on. And yes, in this temporal nature, it is terrible. And we should have sorrow. You can have joy with sorrow. But with a fellow believer reminding them or they reminding you that no matter what, we have that eternal home. We were created, again, on the catechism to be with God forever and to celebrate with him. So the final point here is joy is a choice. In the form of where's Waldo, there's perhaps somebody in here that has choose joy on their clothing. Um, this was not, well, it was discussed before because I'd seen the shirt, but joy is a choice. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There are songs with this verse in it. I'm not allowed to sing, so you just get the little version. I've been told that multiple times. Oh, my family agrees. How nice. Recognize that taking joy in the Lord in all circumstances is the choice, right? Paul doesn't say only in the good times should you rejoice, although we should acknowledge and rejoice in those good times. In all times. James, in his first chapter, says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, excuse me, various kinds of trials. Habakkuk, chapter 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold. Speaking of which, watching Jeremy wrangle a pig around, says how this week, uh, ask for pictures, it's pretty funny, uh, demonstrates how hard it is to keep the flock in the fold at times. And there's no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He will make my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Again, referencing what happened back ancient times. This would have been a huge crisis. There's no figs. There's no grapes. There's no olives. The fields are producing nothing. What they rely on. There's nothing in the fields. There's nothing in the stalls. There's nothing to eat. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. That's what we're called to do. John Piper uh, said on this, The reason your joy can now be as full as it is and moving toward perfect fullness when all our battle with sin is over, it is because of your union with Jesus, the branch in the vine. You no longer merely enjoy your joy, you now have Jesus' joy in you. And you enjoy what Jesus enjoys as your joy, as you abide in Jesus. So what do we do with all this? I have five different points here to talk about joy. Well, in Psalm 43.4, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. We need to be at the altar of God. If you are a non-believer, if you've never heard anything with this, then you need God. You need Jesus, your Savior. 
And through the Holy Spirit, you can experience true joy, not just a shadow of what joy can be. It's very similar to the new earth talked about in Revelation versus our current earth, which, quite frankly, is awesome. Uh, I'm somebody who celebrates in nature, and when I get out in that, I love it. But that's a mere shadow, we're told, of what the new earth will be like. Let us help. Anybody wearing one of these white tags is a member of leadership. We have pastors. We have other mature Christians. We would be happy to talk with you about what that means and how to start that walk for yourself. Because only you can decide to start that walk. Well, if you're a believer, but you're like the man in Mark chapter 9 that said, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. In my own walk, I've had those moments. Not where I have denied Christ, but really, is this what God's plan is? Or what does this really mean when you read the word? Or maybe you're seeing something on the History Channel that makes you question. Um, We too can approach that altar that we already know. We can experience God's joy. We should be driving towards that. And if you're a believer that is living in joy, we need to share that joy. Like Charles Spurgeon said, you need to be that light that others want to come to. Don't hide it away. And acknowledge that in the good and the bad, it is still a joy to serve God. It is a joy to receive that gift from him. So, the question at the beginning was, do you have joy? Not happiness, not contentment, but do you have true biblical joy? Only you can answer that, but I assure you we as a church want to support you in making the most of that joy as a gift from God. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, you truly are the God of the universe. You have provided all for us. We know that it is your desire that we have joy. Your word speaks of it over and over again. And through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we know that that joy is here for the good, for the bad, and for the mediocre times we have in this temporary world. But Lord, thank you that we have the security, that knowledge that we will be with you in heaven forever by knowing you through your Son, our Lord and Savior. God, I pray that this week each of us would experience true biblical joy. I pray that we would do this that is honoring to you, that gives us strength, that helps us, Lord, to reach the unbelievers, but also encourage the believers. And Lord, we know that it's not through us, but through you that this can happen. We ask all this in your name. Amen.